What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of Podmosh. Today, we have Nancy Rodriguez. She is a Airbnb real estate investor, and she has a few Airbnbs. She's kind of been in the real estate business for a while. She spent her uh, most of her career in speech, speech pathology and recently just had a kind of a shift in, in what she did there. She talks about that later down the line. This is an amazing conversation. I learned a lot, like I do every episode, but this one was really encouraging for me. Um, just kind of some of the things that she said. So hope it, I really hope it encourages you guys as it did me. Um, anyways, you guys, hope y'all enjoy. All right, we are live, Nancy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolutely, thanks we had for a, having me. We had a great little dinner there. Some tortilla soup and got our drinks and are just chilling. Um, what's your name? What do you do? Yeah, so my name is Nancy Rodriguez and um, I am a speech and language pathologist. And in addition to that, I'm a real estate investor. I've done other things um, specifically in real estate <clears throat> related to short-term rentals, Um also diving into like some sober living houses as well and sober living houses yeah what are those um the title kind of says it Uh people who want to be sober and live in a house your mouth got a little closer there that's where you need to be oh so like right right there can you can can you hear the difference from here to here yeah i i can there you go that's what that's what we need perfect yeah um yeah so sober living house Uh, it's a house where people want to get sober and they pay either per bed or per room to have a place where they can be sober. Um, I've never heard of that. Yeah. That's so awesome. They call them, sometimes it can be referred to it like as a halfway house. Oh, okay. Uh, or it can also be um, recovering addicts. It can be recovering um, ex-felons as well. And you're, um, you're all based out of Dallas, right? Yes. Okay. I'm That's where you Dallas. do all this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, you Dallas drove like an hour and a half over here, man. Golly, <laughs> I can't believe. Drive. I'm it's, sorry. <laughs> no, it's a good drive, and you know, traffic sucks. It does. Suck. It does. Ooh. I actually had the most traffic in Dallas, and then once I left, I was like, okay, I'm good. Straight okay. Shot. <laughs> so I, I want to get into um, what you do for real estate investing. You have how many Airbnbs? So currently active, I have three Airbnbs, and. Um, in the past, I've had about four to five different listings, um, but okay. right now just three are active. Okay, I want to get more into that, but but first I want to see. So, like your your main career is speech therapy or, or speech pathology. So, kind of walk me through when that first kind of caught your attention. That career field kind of caught your attention, um, and then what you did to get to that point. It started with wanting to do something in the medical field and also psychology. And so I kind of found this through a friend uh, when I was an RA in college. There was a girl who was a speech pathology major and I met her and she told me about her what what she was wanting to do and what it entailed. So that summer I took it upon myself to volunteer at a speech clinic who, that had an autism camp mm. for kids who are out of school but the parents still need therapy and exercises for... And what year was this? This Oh, gosh. Ooh. <laughs> this had to have been 2010, 20, okay. 10 years ago. Okay. So, it really, yeah. autism hasn't really started to get a lot of attention until the last, what, four or five years? Yeah. And I, I mean, think, honestly? Yeah. Well, Hollywood has a big thing to do with it, too, because you're seeing sitcoms with people who are, you know, show really 
different types of personalities. For me, I'm like, oh, they have autism or, mm. oh, they're on the spectrum. Interesting. Um, and so, yeah, no, absolutely. I think Hollywood has something to do with it. Uh, the Good Doctor. I don't know if you yeah. know that. Yeah, um, I watched Hulu. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was really the King's Speech back when I was I've in college. i that's very good, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, and I think that one was like everyone in our field was super excited because we heard that there was this, you know, speech pathology had a big role in that movie. Um, I don't Hmm. think a lot of people were happy about how they was portrayed, but it was a good, you know, step forward because I think Helen Keller was one of the last biggest thing that people had really heard about. Hmm. So, uh, I gotta watch that now. Yeah. Has definitely a a big impact in our, um, kind of autism awareness. Yeah, absolutely. So your RA, um, kind of after that you, you volunteer, then what happened? Oh my gosh. I was like, this is what I have to do. Like I have to work with kids who have special needs and specifically a speech therapist. So the owner of that clinic was a speech therapist by background. Um, and so from then on, I, that same summer I enrolled into like crazy four summer classes, Hmm. which it's a summer schedule. So everything is crammed into like what, six weeks maybe, um, that you would usually have in a regular semester. So I uh, hustled up and I got my four classes that summer. And then that actually put me right on track to be able to finish the last two years of college in that major. So finish that, but you do have to have your master's to be a licensed speech pathologist, which is what I wanted. Exactly. You can be an assistant um, with other requirements, but it was having to have a master's to be licensed. And so I actually went off to California. What part of California? San Francisco. Okay. San Francisco State University and uh, finished there. Do you know where Riverside is? (sighs) Riverside or Hesperia? Uh, is it, I think it's Apple Valley. E- no, Southern California, man. Southern Victorville, okay. Naperville. I've heard Victorville. Of. Oh no, no. Girl, okay. So, all right. Oh, well, there goes our connection. <laughs> Are you from there? Yeah. Oh, well, I was born there. I was born oh. there. I, we didn't spend a whole lot of time in California. Yeah. It was like my first seven years of my life. But okay, I was, I was born in Riverside. But Neat. anyways, continue. Wait, they have a show on Netflix. Riverside. Is there a relation there? No, is that's it? Riverdale. That's Riverdale. Yeah, yep. never mind. <laughs> Next <laughs> I was, time. I was trying. Next I was time. trying. The connection. Swing and a miss. <laughs> Sorry. You're good. So, San Francisco? Yeah. And then um, I was there for two years. Absolutely loved it. Didn't know anyone. Just went. Said, Mom, I need to go. Do you want to come? Mom's and, mom's behind her nodding. She's laughing. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, she helped me pack my bags. And she helped me. She got in the car with me. Um, we drove to San Francisco. And she flew back. And uh, I had a really cool gig that I don't think people even know about. Uh, I was actually an au pair in really? my grad school years. So, for the first one... The first year of the two, and um, I got a chance to live with a beautiful family, experience San Francisco in such a beautiful way hmm. with this loving family, and in return, they paid for room and board and food, actually, like everything, basically. Wow. Um, so when people say, oh, it's so expensive to live in San Francisco, I was like, not for me, wow. because I always found a way to like, well, how can I do this the cheapest way? Like, how can I do this without, you know, it's something I want to do, but I don't have the money for it. So, so we what were, do I do? We were kind of talking a little about about that earlier. How, yeah. you, how you have a very uh, uh, different mindset than most about money, about um, exactly what you're talking about. You you found a way. What led you to help like find that way? Because that's not normal. That's like yeah. one of my favorite things to say. That's not normal. Yeah. What kind of bred that mindset? I mean, absolutely the person sitting behind me, my yeah. mom. Mama. There was, my, 
We call we growing up we called her Ama. 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 So she always had a way. Like if there was ever anything that you know we wanted to do, if we wanted to, and I know this is actually against what I do now as an adult what I believe in, but I remember my family was going to, um, Disney and my mom wanted us to go and experience Disney land in California. Mm. So she maxed out her credit cards for us. And she was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I can't pay cash for it now, but Hey, let's put it on these credit cards. And so my uncle took us with him and his family. Um, I still remember like it was yesterday mm. and the experience wow. and I don't know how she did it. I'm probably pay for it just over time with interest the trip itself probably cost three times what you would pay because she put it on credit cards that's something i've had to really uh learn more recently because i'm always i'm the penny pincher you know i'm always super tight with my budget um, to to the point where like we can't even have fun (laughs) at times and i've realized in the last few years there there has to be a balance Mm -hmm. there has to be a balance of being able to survive and and do well in life while also making fun memories with your family. Because mm-hmm. unfortunately, some of those things do require money. And so if you put like a price tag on memories, I mean, can you? Can you put a price tag on on priceless memories? Apparently not. Mm-hmm. Because this memory is embedded in your mind yeah. from something that was maybe not the best practice financially, but it was the best practice for your, your entire lifestyle. Well, and I think when you said like what breaded this you have to do it. If, if you want to do it, how do you do it? You have to do it. Um, my mom didn't actually tell us, Hey, I'm maxing out my credit cards for you guys. Mm-hmm. It was me overhearing a conversation that she had with her brother. Hey, take my credit card, pay for everything. And it was one of those things that I put together. There is no way we can afford this trip. Like we're going to Disneyland. Like mm-hmm. what in the world? We're getting on a plane. Like it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really cool. But again, like she found, she found a way. And I think, um, I was always conscious of that. Like how much does that cost? Or if I get birthday money, so my birthday's in November, I just turned 31. Oh, what, when November? At eighth. Oh, Molly's is, uh, was a fifth. Yeah. November 5th. I kind of, yeah. I kind of remember we mm-hmm. talked about birthdays and, and being Scorpios. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And so my birthday was always in November. If I ever got money, on my birthday, I'd always keep it because I knew Christmas oh, so was around the corner. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, I'd always keep it. I'd be like, Oh, maybe I'll get myself like a candy, like the cheapest candy on the like rack. I don't even like candy, but I would just do it. Cause I'm like, I should get something, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and everything else was saved because I, before Christmas, I'd want to make sure I'd get to the dollar store being mm. efficient yep. and yep. I would buy at the, the dollar stores that literally everything is a dollar. They're not tricking you to buy like <laughs> yep. $5, like toilet paper or shampoo. Yep. Like yep. it's literally everything's a dollar. And so I'd make my list. I'd be like, okay, I have my brothers. I have my mom, my dad, my grandma, my aunts and uncles. Mm. I'd have like 10 people to buy for, but I'd mm. be at a dollar store where everything's a dollar and I had $15. I'm like, yes, I can make it. You it's know? interesting how those mindsets have bred to your success today, yeah, have led to your success today. Absolutely. And again, I want to get more into that later, but um, let's let's talk more about how you got to this point. So yeah. San Francisco, um, that yeah. mindset, keep, keep going. Yeah, so after San Francisco, um, I was missing home. I think mm. not knowing anyone. I have some family in Cali, but not close <clears throat> enough. And so I did decide to come back to Texas and I didn't know if it was going to be Austin, Houston or Dallas. Those were the only three options. Mm-hmm. Anywhere else, I was like, I'm not going back. <laughs> but um, it ended up being Dallas. 
And so um, Dallas worked out really well. I knew nothing about it. I had never visited, very similar to San Francisco. Um, and it just seemed like a good fit. I got a job as a speech pathologist in the schools. So I knew that that was the schedule I wanted because I, in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, I have all this debt, school debt to pay off because mm-hmm. um, I did have to get loans on top of the jobs that I had in grad school to pay for out-of-state California mm-hmm. tuition. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, totally we, have, we have water bottles if you need. Oh, so if you. you need that, let us know. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I, I knew that my first few years of being a professional, that I would have to pay my debt off. Like mm-hmm. there was no question about it. And so sure enough, I worked and then I was actually still working another job on top of speech pathology. So in the breaks like the what is it thanksgiving break on the mondays that the random mondays that they give off in the schools, mm-hmm. christmas break i was actually working on second job which was what it was online data analyst oh, okay. for a company uh, i don't even remember their name but <laughs> <laughs> I, I got like the hookup somehow a little side gig yeah just a side gig where i was literally entering data for restaurant at the end, restaurant industry. Um, so that allot- allotted me just extra cash to be able to pay off my debt. Because mm. um, I knew it was something that was just weighing heavy on my shoulders. So um, And you eventually paid off your debt? Yeah, in two years after being... Girl. You want to know how much? Yeah. $80,000. Wow. And on top of that, I had a $30,000 car note. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I, um, so two crazy. years in... Right. I'm working as a full time speech pathologist, making that money, uh, working other jobs, finding other ways to like just literally make money. And, and you just turned 31. I just turned 31. That's crazy. OK, yeah. continue. And so. Um, so, yeah, like after after that first two years, I knew that I, I wanted to stay in speech pathology, but I, I kind of wanted to make more money. I knew I was good and I knew that I had more to offer and I wanted more compensation for that. But in Mm. the schools, there's caps and there's, Mm. you know, um, so actually instead of picking the option to work through the district, the most money you make is when you work as a contractor. Mm. I found that out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be a contractor, Mm. you know, where you sign a year contract and you're not guaranteed to come back the next year. But I was like, I don't care. I'll take the one year, you know, I think I was, it was crazy. I was making like $14,000 more than the same position of someone who worked through the district. Wow. Yeah. So, um, without a doubt, I was like, yes, sign me up (laughs) with benefits, everything. I mean, it was a great company to start with, but I wanted more. Well, that was your very first job. That was my very first job. That was two years. And I knew that there was something else more that I needed to make. And so again, I start reevaluating, okay, where can I use speech pathology to make me more money turned into home health with more flexibility now because you make your own schedule. At that point, I did start to consider real estate, not by myself. I had a business partner at the time. Um, We're actually still business partners now. And it started there like, Hey, there's real estate to consider. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so within those first two years before I paid my debt off, I did buy a house and that was the duplex. Mm. Um, and then, kind of spiraled from there, meaning in a good way, a good spiral. Um, it, I was just like hungry for more real estate and more flipping and more. Uh, my dad is actually in the construction business. He's had a business for what, over like 20 years maybe. Mm. And so um, I knew about 
laying tile. I knew about cutting tiles and what it took for quality versus slapping something on the wall. (laughs) And so I was like, I know this stuff. I should use it. And again, I think it was a really interesting mix that a speech pathologist who does nothing related to real estate or flipping or construction work. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I was like, okay, well this is completely different, but I like that. It's almost like a a brain break Mm -hmm. from being so, um, into my career as a speech pathologist, but also wanting something else. Mm -hmm. And so, um, after closing on that duplex the very next day, I paid my debt off. And then, um, it was so amazing. Uh, after that, I did follow the Dave Ramsey baby steps Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was, I was really fortunate to come across Dave Ramsey and follow those baby steps. And then I read rich dad, poor dad. (laughs) I feel like, you know, and it's crazy because anyone who I've actually talked to that read rich dad, poor dad, and really did something like really took it for not just, Oh, I read it and like, it's done and over with, but they have to drive and they read rich dad, poor dad, Mm -hmm. or they're on the Dave Ramsey track, or they've talked Mm -hmm. about Dave Ramsey or just being financially free, having that financial literacy and um, education, they're going somewhere or, or they have that potential to be more than just nine to five. You know, you're, you're speaking. That's so amazing. It's funny that my, my very last episode that I published was with two real estate investors, uh, uh, not commercial, but rich, they flip houses and stuff like that. And that was rich dad, poor dad was their main thing that really helped push them to that next level. One, the main real estate investor, he's 33, uh, making six figures, Mm -hmm. um, was working at TCC. I think he's doing electrician, electric, I don't, I forgot what it was, but he was working at TCC kind of came to that point where he goes, I want to work for myself. I'm tired of the nine to five. I want financial independence, financial freedom. And so he, he broke down how he did that. Exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And it's almost the exact <laughs> steps that you're talking about. They well, did. And something works. Like, yeah. I think it's one of those things when people come to me and when I'm saying people, I mean like family and friends and they're like, how'd you do it? And I'm like, do this, do this. Like I, I can write it down. These five steps, these 10 steps, these three steps start with this, you know, however, depending on the person, mm-hmm. some people need one, two, three, and that's it. Or yeah. some people need a whole list. And so it works. I mean, I'm just not real, inventing real anything. quick ideas. Yeah. What are those steps? Like just generally? Yeah. For sure. Number one, in my opinion, is having that financial literacy. So understanding why it is like what financial freedom, like even hearing that term. Like, so is what does that, that mean to you? Word? For me, financial freedom is where your money is working for you and you are not having to work for your money. I could Mm -hmm. be a doctor if I really wanted to. I actually did. I was pre-med in college, but at first. (laughs) And you're like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to go this many. I want to make a change. I want to help people. But it's like, how many years of school? It wasn't practical. Not not only that, I was was working with some doctor. To this day, it it really changed my life because he was telling me this doctor was – high up in the food chain we'll just say that okay at this certain at the at, at uh at a hospital i was working at um they were saying how they had to go buy some shalotsky's drive-through because they didn't have enough money for lunch mm-hmm. they didn't have enough money for groceries like how mm. how that they're making bukus yeah bukus bukus of money mm-hmm. I, I think it was over half a million dollars yeah in, in a wow. year that's their and they didn't So the thing with financial literacy, what you're talking about is not living to what you make. Always live below your means. 
and not buy excessive crap. Yeah. I mean, you don't yeah. need crap to make you happy. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I think that the main things for sure, like that financial literacy, what does that even mean? Financial freedom, what does that mean? For me, it absolutely has to be being debt-free first because it worked for me. I don't know what other people yeah. have done, but I heard something the other day, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it was something like 70% of millionaires. They did a study with um, Dave Ramsey, and they, it was like something like 70% of millionaires um, came from having nothing, meaning they either self-taught, had, you know, someone to maybe help them knowledge-wise, but they didn't come from money. Mm. So it's like, okay, can I be part of that 70%? Yeah. You know, but again, it's like the, he he speaks these things. And so for me, it was um, being financially, having financial freedom, understanding it, reading books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or even, like I said, um, most importantly, being debt-free first. And then when once you're, once I was debt-free, I saw the cash flow. And I'm like, cash mm-hmm. flow, you know, because I learned this in Rich Dad, mm-hmm. Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, cash flow is a thing. And I'm so <laughs> turned on right now because I'm like, give me the cash flow, you know. And I'm I like, mean, yeah, it's really cool to wow. have that your bank account literally growing by thousands because you're not paying. So one of Dave Ramsey's like, and I'm going to get this wrong, too. But it was something. what does he say? He's like, you're going to borrow from Joe to pay Bob (laughs) or some, you know, funny like idiom or whatever like that, because it's true. You're Mm -hmm. borrowing from someone to pay this person, but you still have to pay the first person. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like it's never really your money. It's never your money. And I think, um, once I paid off that debt and, and I was free and you see the money coming in immediately, what did I do? I started saving. And so that led to paying for the rehab cost of the, duplex that I bought. It was moving ready, but I wanted it mm. to be a little more updated. So mm-hmm. you, you bought the duplex and lived in one side and then rented out the other, Correct. right? Correct. Yeah. Smart. Very, very classic. Very like, smart. I want my first. No, I will be honest. I was so not for, um, but it's my first property. I've never mm. had money. So now I do. Like, mm. I want my favorite. I want a house I want to love. Mm. I do voices sometimes and it helps me recollect like, where I was at the time. That's my stupid Nancy voice. And so I, I, my business partner was great about, well, let's take a look at it. Look mm. at the numbers. If you pick this duplex, this is what you could make in the future when you decide to block, you know, so a mm. lot of guidance and, yeah. and he was really great at being a penny pincher mm. and, I thought I was a penny pincher, but I was like, oh no, he's a penny. Which I think maybe you're probably more um, on that. Yeah, it's been bad. A little more frugal. And yeah. that's totally fine, you know? Um, but I'm looking at this today. I'm looking yeah. at like, okay, if I can penny pinch for now, yeah. um, what can that lead to in five years? Yeah, absolutely. And, but I'm also trying to balance, you know, being able to provide a lot of fun and happiness and memory making for my kids and my wife. Yeah. So there's a, there's a fine balance. And it's kind of funny. You know, my wife's the main breadwinner right now. I'm the stay-at-home dad. Yeah. I podcast. I do things, the the thing I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's the med, main breadwinner. Yeah. Um, but we, we, like I said, we, we, we try and, and manage it both together. Yeah. But trying to balance that lifestyle yeah it's pretty interesting yeah um and you know to just kind of go back to your question about like what does it take you know so i think that being debt free debt free financial literacy financial literacy um slash education and and that's really just knowing what you're paying for like knowing the fine print of a credit card yeah like what is 
the actual rate of your credit card mm-hmm. and is there another credit card like even knowing that you can transfer funds from one credit card <laughs> to another to not have at, to pay the monthly to fee to not have to pay the monthly fee mm-hmm. and not only that but sometimes they give you a zero percent interest for yep. one year i actually did that's, that that's my one credit card i have right now yeah zero percent interest do it and i, I <laughs> know mean, that, that they, well okay so and yeah. it, it really does take you have to be careful because yes. one credit card very easily leads to five credit cards yes and mm-hmm. five credit cards very easily leads to twenty five thousand dollars in debt. Absolutely, and I think that was the one thing that I knew I needed to always check myself, like always ask, do I really need this? Um, and so once you have, I think you're you're financially free. So now you have this cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have any debt, and you're getting cash flow because you bought a property that is giving you money. Not only is it paying for your rent, but the money that you're making as your nine to five, mm-hmm. that's your cash flow. You can look at it the other way. Your mortgage is being paid by your yep. W-2 and then your rent is being um, saved for your next investment mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. Um, and then I think after that, honestly, it has to be drive. It has to, like, you have to want it. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing I've come across is that a lot of people are like, I want to do what you do. I want to have Airbnbs. And then as soon as we start talking, it's like, it just not, yeah. you could just see it in people. Yeah. And I think that you have that, like, just even the few moments that we've had with which, conversations. Which, like you by do, the way, you know? let's just talk about, we, oh, we've, <laughs> one day, we've known each other for one, one day. day. I think it was less than 24 hours. Yeah. Literally. You know, Maul yeah. and I uh, were going to Dallas at a Dallas hotel. We we're having a little staycation for our anniversary, blah, blah, blah. It was actually not even our anniversary. It was Labor Day weekend. It was, but our-, but our Did you guys not go for that? Exactly. Oh. <laughs> our anniversary was in January. Oh. But, so we we had, we were never able to go. Yeah. Like for the past like two years, we've never been on a trip. Okay. Because traveling is a huge passion of ours. Yeah. And that's been just rooted and gutted. <laughs> yep. So we're like, okay, we just got to freaking go to Dallas. Like Aww. just get away for a weekend. So we did. Yeah. And that's where I met you. <sighs> and we were just chilling out by the pool mm-hmm. pretty much for what? Maybe six or seven hours. That's it. Well, it's funny because my mom was like, how did you meet him again? And I was like, okay. So we were at the pool at <laughs> well, like nine o'clock. Was- <laughs> I think the pool opened at nine. Yep. You guys were there by like nine oh five. We were there at like nine on the dot. So we were five minutes within like being at the pool. I think I said something out loud about Airbnb or something. <laughs> and then you were just so kind and you were just excuse me, I'm sorry. Ma'am, did you say something about an Airbnb? And I was like it, Do I sound like that? No. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> I got my chew in my mouth. I was kinda curious. <laughs> You know, like, that's my voices come in, kind uh, of recollecting the moment. <laughs> and so, sure enough, you know, you asked me, and, and I, I I try to not, I was really excited. When I first got into, like, real estate, Airbnb, I wanted to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of start to realize that some people don't have the most, the most honest Cause interest. Because they're, they're either jealous or they yeah. are, they almost, like, hate people, other people's success. Yes. Absolutely. And so when I started to realize that, I'm like, I don't want to tell people what I do besides speech pathology because then people look at you different or they judge you in a weird way that they should be happy for me, but not everyone is, which sounds so weird. You would think that people would want to, you know, see that success or you you obviously want to help people. Like you got, you got, you got into an entire field (laughs) that really wants to help people. So, Mm -hmm. so why not like what you're talking about right now about real estate? Yeah. You know, you, you, why not help people through real estate as well? I I see that in you. 
but it seems like whenever you started to try and help people with some of the things, you got burned too much. Yeah. And, and so being that we had that conversation, I'm like, Oh, I think I said something very like, yeah, like I think I answered very brief, but my friend Desiree, love her friend. (laughs) She's amazing. And she's like one of my top cheerleaders. And she's one of my people that will, no matter what she is like on it, she's supporting me and um, telling people about me and what I do. And so I think she was like, Oh, she turns around and looks at you. She's like, yeah, she has three Airbnbs, <laughs> but not like that. You know, she was just like kind of saying like, oh, no, yeah, those she's actually, a I think that was about right, actually. And, uh, and then you just, you inquired and I was just like, oh my God, like this is someone who genuinely wants to know. And I literally knew you for five minutes. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. What's your name? And, and who's this person? And you're like, oh, it's my wife. And yeah. oh, there goes that voice again. <laughs> And so, um, yeah, so I think just from then on, we clicked, mm. um, you guys were going to come back, I think, or we were going to go eat and come back and yeah. we ended up hanging out at the pool all day, much day yeah. and then it stormed. Yeah. That was awesome. By the way. So everybody had to run inside. Um, there was a capacity, I think at one point, And so they wouldn't let anybody mm-hmm. else up, but we were the lucky ones who were already there. We were already there. So we, we had, we met other people. I think yeah. another couple, um, they were awesome. I think there was like six of us total just hanging out. And we just clicked. We mm-hmm. talked about traveling. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so neat to hear you say, like, me and Molly were just, let's just go. Let's just go to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And me and the, I was actually there for a bachelorette party, but I was kind of doing my own thing, like, in, in certain times. And sure enough, like, we would have never crossed paths. You know, what are the chances that that would have happened? And I appreciate you even inquiring because I think it's just one of those things where right place, right time right you know decisions and moves and conversations and it just it clicked and yeah. i think uh, you know what i've learned like so before my my way of viewing a lot of things on people in public was just be to myself you know my wife and i are here uh we don't really want to talk to anybody kind of thing um but over the years like, there's a couple of friends who've really helped me kind of grow in this area of mm-hmm. reaching out to people and inquiring about who they are like yeah i, I love ne- because of that it's Honestly, the reason this podcast is yeah. going. Well, you had great questions. You were like, I think you said, how much money do you make? Oh, my or, gosh. It, it was something I'm where sorry. I was like, no, I'm all about, that's the I'm thing. I'm all about being straight up. Like, well, you know, it, it's this much about, but it depends on the property. And mm-hmm. I, I think I kind of broke it down a little bit about depends on how you want to get started. And yeah. do you have used furniture? Are you going to go to Target and buy all the new furniture? You know, um, how much money do you make? What a oh jerk. And, and it was so, honestly, I took it in no offense. So I think you were just like about, I think you even said like, you don't have to tell me how much exactly but like about how much could you you know profit and i was like oh it depends anywhere from two to four thousand you know depending on the property and again i'm excited to talk about this stuff Mm. but people don't ask those honest questions because it goes back to that that. mindset that i initially had was uh, people don't want to be talked to and that's the thought that i had Mm -hmm. uh, was that people don't want to be talked to and i don't want to be talked to Mm-hmm. So when I'm in, what made in public, you change? Was there a moment that you were like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it. Uh, specifically, with your situation or yeah, like no, no, no. Uh, in your like process of finding out that you should there wasn't just talk a specific people. moment, uh, but there, like I said, there's a couple friends of ours yeah. who really helped me realize the benefit of that because mm-hmm. before I didn't see real benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, working in EMS for a long time at the hospital in the That's ER. Right. I was very like just overwhelmed with people yeah. where when I was not around and on the job, I just wanted to be to myself. 
I don't want to talk to anybody. I, I didn't want to hear anybody's issues because I hear people's issues all day, you know? So it's, it's, it kind of shifted once I got out of the business to realizing the benefit on what conversation could take place if you just ask the question. Yeah. ATQ is what I call it. Ask the question. Oh, ATQ. ATQ. Just ask the dadgum question. question. Yeah. Like, whether it be uh, a question for, okay, what do you do for a living? Or yeah. ask the question, is this disease process real or you know what's happening with covid yeah and just ask the question instead that's of sure. just running with everything with everybody else the yeah. group there's an idea about groupthink, and that's it, it can get dangerous yes. and so i think there's a that you got to be careful with groupthink mentality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that sure. was, that's a whole nother rabbit trail okay um, yeah, i like it though <laughs> um so yeah. th- that being said before i asked that question yeah. i actually was really nervous you yeah. Know, when I first uh, yeah. spoke up. I would up. never guess. I'm like, oh, this guy talks to everyone all the time. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> you just uh, made it seem so natural. Uh, You're so like, I'm an you extroverted know? introvert. Okay. I can be very talkative to people, very nice, yeah. but I need my time to recharge. And mm-hmm. that my weekend was my time to recharge with mm-hmm. my wife. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I realized, you know, whether it was benefiting you or not, I didn't really care at that point. I was like, yeah. man, I just want to know people. I want to yeah. get to know people better. Yeah. Um. And I think people want to be known. I think a lot of people don't want to be, I said this before, a lot of people don't want to be known because they fear they'll never be loved. Mm. And that's, uh, one of my friends said that. Say it again for me. You said a lot of people want to. Be fully known for who they are. Yeah. But they never express who they are. They fully are because they fear they'll never, never be fully loved. Because of who they are. Yes. Wow. You know, I think you struck a chord there because it's definitely one of those things that as a, like professional in the medical field, you put on this face of, Hey, I'm the professional. This is what I have to do. But sometimes I find myself not being my true self and I'm okay with that because I'm in my work environment. But unfortunately that kind of behavior of masking, like who I really am kind of sometimes leaks into my personal life. And I'm like, wait, snap out of it. Like, no, be you and be okay with that. And if people don't call you back or people don't want to be your friend, I'm okay with that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, it's been definitely a, in my thirties type of thing where mm. I really like, I don't have to be friends with everyone and the people who do matter most, I will see it in their actions and mm. it doesn't have to be, you know, um, it doesn't have to be this, oh, just because I know you for this amount of time or just because our friends are parents, we have to be parents. Like, yeah, maybe in our teens and our twenties, mm-hmm. but now I'm like, I'm a grown up. Can I? Grown-ass person. Uh, yes, grown you ass can. Woman. <laughs> you know what? My friend and I, we have this thing. We say, I'm a grown-ass woman doing grown-ass woman shit. You know? So it's like, you just have to just yeah. do it and, and be okay with, you know, being yourself. Mm. And um, and so... And so I think I, it's okay that yeah. people change. Oh, absolutely. You know, there are, there are times yeah. in your life where you're just on a completely different path than yeah. where you were five years ago. Absolutely. Because the person I was five years ago is completely different <laughs> than who I am today. Yeah. And the person I am in five years is going to be completely different than who I am today. Yeah. And the person I married is going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like I have to get to know my wife. Yeah. Regularly yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's almost like marrying a different person every year. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and same thing vice versa. Same thing for me. Yeah. I think that's the kind of fun thing about marriage is that you can't have that. It's very hard at times. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but that, that adaptation, that mutation that occurs within relationships mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. 
And that's Ooh, healthy. Mutation. I like that because mutation can also be seen as a negative thing. Like, yes. why are you changing? You're not yeah. the person I met five years ago. Yep. You well, know? That's normal. When you, you know, look at exactly. historical perspectives, that's normal. <laughs> you know, and, and actually I had a relationship where, um, same thing, like th- that was actually said to me, like you were not the person that I met X amount of years ago. And I'm like, yeah, because now I have six properties, so many bills to pay, like, a, a full-time position at, in a superior, like a, a managerial position at the time. So I had all these things. Mm. I'm like, I didn't have that, none of that shit when I was 25 at the time. So yeah, I was the sweetest thing back then. And mm. now I'm like, I got some fire in me. You know, <laughs> like, I, I'm going to speak my mind. And, and yeah. I had to be okay with saying that and being like, ooh, but is that okay to say? You know, mm. and, and understanding that we do change, we do evolve. And I think again, like the, bringing it back to the workforce when I was home, like whether I was with my family, my friends, like I had to like relearn, okay, wait, but how is the Nancy? Like, what is the Nancy that I know and love? What does she do? And I have to be okay with that. And then kind of code, almost like a code switch when they talk about like, um, in your work, you got your work voice Mm -hmm. and your customer service voice. Uh, I think Molly made some jokes about like, hello, how can I, you know? And then like when in real life, you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she definitely has a fun voice. When you talk, she's like, hey, I'm Molly. Aww. Oh, so great. And then she gets up. She goes, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, uh, <laughs> Pretty hey. funny. Pretty funny. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so all that to say, uh, yeah. you, you've you you've been very successful in your airbnb Yeah. That's the thing. Oh. Um, but I want to talk about what you do, like your passions. Your yeah. passions in speech therapy, in speech pathology. It is. And actually, Caleb, I have an update for you. Okay, cool. <laughs> so um, uh, my passion has been for the last – I've been a therapist licensed uh, for six years. Well, actually, technically five. Wow. Your first year is a fellowship. So okay. five full years. Um, but I really found at this point in my life, I make more money – in real estate and I can only make up to so much money per hour as a speech pathologist. So my last, um, back in October, I actually decided that I needed to resign as a speech therapy lead. So I was a supervisor manager, um, in a, in a hospital setting. So I, I mean, sometimes I would manage depending on the staff up to like 20 people. And if I was covering for the OT and the PT lead, then I was, not only wow. my staff, my speech yeah. therapist and um, the rehab techs, but also the physical therapist making schedules for the occupational therapist, um, answering questions from the director because she's mm. out for the weekend or something. Um, but although I found that very rewarding for two years, I definitely knew that there was more of my talent to be used outside of the medical field speech wow, pathology. So, and that's the thing. I was like, I, I will always, I always say this. I will always be a speech language mm-hmm. pathologist. I will do my continuing education. I will keep up my mm-hmm. license. So now actually, um, although I resigned that position, I decided to go PRN, which okay, is yeah. as um, needed. <laughs> as needed. And people ask me, what does PRN stand for? Yep. And I'm like, I think it's like pro NATO something. It's Italian, I think, which pretty much means like as needed. Yeah. Um, we have those PRN positions uh, for nurses and EMTs. For nurses, mm-hmm. EMTs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I really found that this was a big step. Scary. Absolutely. Because I'm like, oh my God, I'm Keep not going to get. your in the door though. Exactly. But it gives you way more time to get mm-hmm. 20 more Airbnbs. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Exactly. So, okay. So that's really cool. That's very interesting because yeah. you spent six years. Yeah studying to be a speech 
pathologist. Yeah, six years studying and then six years working in the field full time, all out, where I realized wow. that the benefit for who I want to be in five years is not going to come from being a speech pathologist. You literally mm-hmm. can only make up to so much. Mm-hmm. And if you want to make more, you got to do more. Mm-hmm. So you have to take on a director role or you have to, you know, open up your own clinic or your own business, which might be coming in the future, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely like looking ahead. And so I think my five year goal was not doing speech pathology full time, although I love it. Yeah. And so I come and go as I, as I'm it's needed. Interesting dichotomy though. I love it though. And, and, and so you, the time that I've had to now, so since October, let's see the month of November, then the month of December, um, a lot of real estate plans went into place. Um, I helped one of my business partners start up his private Airbnb. Uh, we did some together and then he wanted to do one alone. And so I was like, he asked me to help him and, um, he got started with that. So that took a couple weeks and then, um, other real estate, like buying properties, mm-hmm. cash, that's kind of in the works now. I'm working on another property coming up. Um, so a lot of changes happen wow. in like that's really a month cool, and a half. But, maybe but two, what's but... really cool is that, so I think a lot of people think that because they went to school for this topic, they yeah. have to do it the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get into, you know, bachelor's in biology, get to med school, uh, finish med school, become a doctor. Like, what have I done? Yeah. And I've actually talked to quite a few. Like yeah. one doctor was like, I wish I was a pilot. Mm-hmm. He said, if I, if I could do it all over again, and this dude was 20 years in. Yeah. He goes, if I could do it all over again, I would be a pilot. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people have gotten to the point where they've gotten six years in and then invested another six years in the field. And like, oh my gosh, this is not what I like. But that's yeah. amazing. You're just like, you know what? I don't like, or I, it's not that I don't like it, but you find more potential. I think it was absolutely that. When I check in with myself, just like I had to check in with myself when I was paying off my debt and being like, no, girl, you don't need those shoes. You got plenty. Like, mm-hmm. save it for your this debt or something. Um, it's I'm always wanting to improve. And it, when I talk about that drive earlier that you need that drive, that drive isn't just, oh, I want to be financially free and have all this cash flow. Like, it has to come in other aspects of your life that you want to be able to have control or manage, you know, what you have going on. And so mm. I think for me, it was checking in with myself and being like, yes, speech pathology is the career of your life. You love this. You're really good at it. Let me just say so myself, toot toot, <laughs> you know, I really love well, what I do. Apparently. And, and, and so, um, when I decided to go PRN, I knew that it was the best decision at the time. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm good at, you know what? I can come back to it full time. If, all all's fit if all else mm-hmm. fails yeah i can always come back full-time maybe not to the same company if yeah. i'm sure they would i don't know if they would take me back i'm sure <laughs> they would if they had the position open but you know whatever that means to be back into speech pathology um but i think realizing and checking in with yourself it's okay to make change mm-hmm. it's okay to you know um and you're only 32 <laughs> 31 31 yeah Golly. you know it's, it's that gives me hope yeah for sure and i hope. think that people don't check in with themselves i think enough Mm -hmm. and i think uh, a lot of the short-term desires sometimes overcome you being able to attain a long-term goal like wanting to oh because i want it now oh Mm -hmm. i want you know i want a range rover so i'm going to keep my w2 so that way i can qualify for a loan Mm -hmm. and get my range rover and i'm going to keep this not nine to five because i want these other things but it's like Again, that temporary mm-hmm. satisfaction yeah. when the long term is not even in the 
bird's view. Ooh, bird's eye view. I hit the mic all the time, so it's okay. <laughs> um, and so I think when I checked in huh. with myself, and and I did, I didn't just do it off the whim. I think it was a conversation with my family, my business partner. Um, you know, just asking like what would be the worst? What are your thoughts? Like I'm thinking about this and real estate has such a good potential. And I, and again, I think believing in myself that I have a lot of talent and to give, but it's being suppressed. And I think, um, Hmm. my, uh, that's exactly what I felt. Yeah. And I had somebody tell me like, the amount, the eight hours that you spend at work, assuming you don't work over, which I always did, but mm-hmm. assuming you don't work over those eight hours that you are wonderfully treating patients, being in meetings, hosting whatever um, lunch and learn or um, orientation session, those are, those eight hours you will never have back for you to be able to think creatively, for you to use your skills in any other way. You're very talented and from eight, nine to five, but only in one specific area, you don't have that time literally or opportunity to think about anything else Mm. outside of that bubble. And so, um, so I think having people tell me things like that really pushed me to believe more in myself and say, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so I gave my 30 day notice and, um, Hmm. From then on, like, honestly, and it's only been, what, less than two months, maybe, but it's still been, I mean, like, obviously, such a obviously enough for, yeah, obviously enough for you to quit your job and- Full-time, full, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. obviously, your Airbnb, they're doing well. <laughs> yeah. And I was looking at some of those prices. I was like, damn, girl. Yeah. That's awesome. You know? That's awesome. They're booked out for, like, how many months now? It depends. Oh. Depend on the property. So, you know, kind of going a little bit deeper into Airbnb, if you wanted to know, um, I do- No, now, I don't want to know. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Next topic. Next question (laughs) is um, really finding a niche. And I Mm. think for now, my niche, because things change, my niche is leasing uh, more long-term stays. And so looking for people Hmm. who are traveling to Dallas for medical positions, students, There's like um, like six or seven different hospitals there too. It's a lot of nursing people, right? Yeah. There's so many students. and, and, And then you think about the position of a nurse and it's like, okay, well, there are also LVNs and there's also CNAs and there's also people, agencies that are traveling, sending, uh, medical professionals to on travel positions. Well, have you partnered with those agencies? I have not. And I think I know a lot of travel nurses are like that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them will offer like a package. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. we already have a house for yeah. you. If you want to just tag on, we'll just take $5 off your hourly pay and your mm-hmm. rent is paid for. Um, I've actually, that's a really good question. I'm going to write that down because I'm going to, or I'm going to look into it. Um, Thankfully, Airbnb has been a really good outlet for me um, to at first when I got started, it was just, you know, renting for the weekend, for the week, for the family, mm-hmm. um, which made good money. But my question was, can I make more? Yeah. Which is where I found out about sober living houses mm-hmm. and I found out and um, did some research on that. And then um, and then Airbnb was, OK, well, I have this Airbnb, but how can I make more money? Mm. Um, and so I did a question. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, money, it, I love it. I, I'm yeah. so glad. Like, that's something I, I want to be successful. I want to be able to have the financial independence. Mm-hmm. Is there ever going to be a cap for you? Oh, my gosh. Someone asked me the other day. They said something like, do you feel that money runs your life? Oh, gosh. And I think that's, it, I, I, there's, that's a loaded question. So yeah? that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. What I'm <laughs> asking is, so right now you, you have a very healthy balance yes. of, of your life and money. Yes. And being able to pursue financial independence. Uh My question is in 20 years, when you have 
you know, $5 million a year coming in and as a, as a positive cash flow. Yeah. Are you going to be like, I don't have enough. And Ooh. what, what mindsets yeah. are you kind of trying to grow in yourself that may yeah. help combat some of that in a kind of an idea of content yeah. while having the same drive? When money's not a factor. So when I am making 5 million passive income, right? Cause that's what I'm, that's, I think the, the goal that I've really been focusing on is that passive income. Mm-hmm. I don't have to work for money. Money's working for me. Yeah. And so when I get to that point where I'm comfortable with $5 million, I love that number. It just sounds good. <laughs> I've been thinking about a number all week. I'm like, what is, what would I be like cool with? You know? Mm-hmm. So let's go with 5 million. And, uh, once that passive income is at that level, Honestly, I just want to help people. So I'll probably still be a speech pathologist mm-hmm. or, you know. Yeah. Um, you have the ability to go buy a city if you want. Exactly. <laughs> just go buy a town and, um, you know, do what I want with it and make well, myself mayor. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, that's that's something I, I've yeah. been very frustrated about myself with. Like, I want to have the ability to go yeah. buy someone a freaking house if I want to. Yeah. And just don't tell anybody. Just here you go. Yeah. You don't know who's from. Exactly. Like, and, and it doesn't hurt your pocketbook. Exactly. And honestly, I love my family. We've always been a I mean, close obviously family. your mom's behind you. <laughs> my mom is here. <laughs> um, she was in town and I was like, okay. I don't want to go to this weirdo guy's house without my mom. Like, How do you do him? And I was like, mom, but like, I'm going to go and I'm gonna, you can come, but like, I'm going to be in this. I'm so glad she came. She's awesome. So she asked me, she said, so, um, you're recording. Is it live? And I was like, mom, it's a podcast. And she was like, so like, um, what do you mean? And or something. And I said, you know, on like the internet. She's on the like, interwebs. Well, yeah. She's like, well, who's going to be able to hear it? I was like, the world. Yep. Well, hopefully the world. I'm you working know? on getting to the world. Yeah. And so I said, it's out there. People can hear it if yep. they want to. Um, but yeah, so going back to family. Yes. Being that I, I have three brothers um, and we were always very close. Our parents kept us, you know, close in the house, mom and dad. And so for me, it was more of... When I get to that passive income place, I'm thinking mom and dad moving in. I mean, now they have their own separate families, but I'm like, okay, mom, I've got this house on the left. You live there. I've got this house on the right. Mm-hmm. Dad lives yep. there. You know, we're neighbors. And we're not doing that nursing home access. life. No, I mean, and, oh, and I tell my parents that, I, you know, when I get a chance to really sit down with them, actually on the drive up go on the drive up here I was joking with my mom um we drove her car and it's so beautiful and I'm like I want a car like this just so you know and I'm kind of like giving her a hint I'm like just so you know when you get old I'm not gonna put you in a nursing home okay like yep. you're gonna live with me yep. even if it's my neighbor you know but something well, like so that, there's but. a very interesting uh shift that's occurred with the medical but and I'm sure yeah. you I'm sure you are aware of this like there's an entire boom of nursing home patients yeah. because families a lot of times just think that's the best thing for them, mm-hmm. but it's really not. Cause as a first responder, I show up to those nursing homes or have showed up to those nursing yeah. homes and they're breathing five times a minute. Yeah. And we have to start CPR on a 90 year old mama who yeah. has been dead technically for, you know, how many days now? Yeah. Where then we get them back, get them back is a relative term. A pulse doesn't mean you're getting them back. Okay. That's my soapbox yeah, um, yeah. because then you, as soon as you get them back quote unquote um, they have no brain activity and they have a pulse but there's no quality of life they're a vegetable yeah so where's the quality of life in that so then you have an entire generation of I call it the nursing home generation where they've died they want to die they're ready to move on to the next phase whatever whatever that may be mm-hmm. whatever you believe on, on that and they're literally a vegetable on a tube 
Yeah. That is not living. Mm-hmm. And so we have, we have a lot of nursing homes where families think that that's what's best for them, but it's really not. When back in the day, a lot of times people would bring them into their home. Yeah. And it's really cultural, uh, cultural specific when you look at the different societies, whether it be Hispanic, uh, African-American, uh, Asian, mm-hmm. you can tell who brings into them a home or not. Yeah. Um, so like what you're saying is exactly what I had a conversation with my parents. I was like, you are not going to nursing home. That's yeah. another reason why we bought this house. Looking at the future, we, we have the garage here. Yeah. This is one big building. Close that in. That's their home. Yeah, Bottom absolutely. Line. So, you know, it's funny because as you're talking, I'm like, my wheels are turning into my brain. And I said, oh, shoot. I'll just open up a nursing home when I make $5 million mm-hmm. and I'll have my family live there and it'll be next to me. And mm-hmm. so there'll be nurses there to care for them. But guess what? It's my nursing home and they're going to know the standards. Um, yeah, I think there are certain nursing homes, very few and far between though. Yeah. Like there's one in Dallas where the ratio, the, the care for yes. patient to nurse is one to one. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. Which is really good, but it's pricey as hell. Yeah, absolutely. So 2018, 20, maybe yeah, 20, about 2018, I actually looked into the first home that I bought was a duplex that we talked about. I lived in one side, rented the other. Now they're both Airbnbs. But my question back a couple years ago was, could this wall be knocked down and this other wall be knocked down to where now it's just one big building where you just kind of loop around because mm. it's a mirror duplex. Both sides are the same. And I said, and then make it into a residential living home. Mm. They call them assisted living yeah. homes. They call them residential yeah. care homes. There's a really cool one Memory in Memory cares. Do you know where Keene is? No, I don't. It's, it's a small city right next door. Yeah. But they have a very nice uh, assisted living home okay. neighborhood. Yeah. Where it's literally just like a neighborhood, but there's it's assisted living uh whatever yeah not a mantra senior living assistant whatever it is like that yeah Yeah. and so i mean i i I got to the process of doing the first steps of even being able to own one and what it takes um and then i had my full-time job so at the time so i was like gosh like if i'm gonna do this it's not gonna be while i'm full-time and so that thought just kind of got put on pause but yeah i'm definitely thinking ahead like what are some things where i see a deficit in and absolutely like the adult geriatric population like they need a place and my desire to want to help people mm. is yes i can be a speech pathologist but i can only help one person in one hour <laughs> you know versus You're speaking my song yeah doing something that is going to really make a difference being known for having the best residential care assisted living senior living mm. homes um Man. And so it's, it's really so, cool. That's so, what I would do with my fab. Okay. That's, that, that's what I'm bringing it back to. So yeah. the, it's really not a dollar amount that you're going to be content. And I think yeah. that's what a lot of, uh, rich people kind of faltering because they, they think that, you know, if I just get to 1 million, yeah. I'll be happy. Yeah. Or if I just get to 10 million, I'll be happy. If I get to 1 billion, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. But that's not what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You're saying the more money I make, the more help I can yeah. give. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's different. And that's yeah. awesome. Um, earlier you talked about mindset. You talk about how you have the drive mm-hmm. to be able to do whatever the hell you want. Pretty much. Yeah. You feel like that. And so you feel like you, like earlier you're talking about your, your Airbnb for the duplex. Mm-hmm. You started asking questions. Mm-hmm. You started shifting what the status quo typically is for a duplex. You started mm-hmm. mutating what a, a certain perspective currently is. Yeah. That was what you argue is 
kind of inborn in you based on your your lifestyle bringing up. Yeah. Your mom really helped you with that. Your your lifestyle growing up really helped you with that. Yeah. In your opinion, do you think that that could um, easily be taught to other people who don't have that mindset? And yep. what do you, and what do you think the 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 hang up is for the people who don't have that mindset? Yeah, I think it is innate. I think that you're born with it, absolutely. And I don't even know this. There's probably medical research out there about this, but I do feel like there are people who talk the talk but can't walk the walk. And then those who walk the walk probably never knew they could walk the walk until they try to walk the walk, right? So it's risk. So I, I absolutely. I think that um, like people are born to wanna do what they actually want to do. So I think that those that don't, that's totally okay. People work just fine and live the rest of their life ever so happy, you know, with the traditional nine to five retirement. I worked for the, you know, city of Dallas for 50 years and Mm -hmm. they gave me a pension and that's absolutely wonderful. We need people like that. And then there's other people like us who also have just a different path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that it can be taught if you actually have it in you. Do you think that life circumstances really affect that? Like, so imagine somebody who keeps failing or yeah. imagine somebody who grew up in a very rough lifestyle where um, it was very dynamic. Is it, Dynamic is a good way to say it. It was very... Complex, uh, like just evolve, like... And terrible. Okay, <laughs> we'll there you go. Ter- they you had, had a, a bad v- life. Yes, yeah. they had a bad life. Yeah. And fear is really taking hold. Insecurity is really taking hold mm-hmm. from, them, from them taking these next steps. And there's actually a really cool concept. So in this idea, there's a lot of ideas at play. I'm actually trying to get a researcher on here. Uh, I think she's out of Tarleton. Uh, either Tarleton or UT. I don't, I don't remember which university it is. But um, it's the study of resilience. Mm-hmm. How to quantify resilience within individuals and then community groups. Mm-hmm. So my, my bachelor's that I'm working towards is in public health and in emergency and disaster management. And one of the classes I'm in right now is the psychology of disaster and how do communities recover from disaster uh, scenarios, whether it be tornadoes, hurricanes, terrorist threats, or terrorist bombings. And then how do communities and individuals, can you quantify that in a resilient standard? Mm-hmm. So can you say, can you predict Okay, Nancy, you are going to go through a terrible situation in two years. In two years, your uh, mathematical probability of coming out of it in a good, resilient way is very good because of, quote, unquote, these factors, right? Yeah. That's the study of resilience. Mm. So other factors are the insecurities at play Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. people not wanting to take the risks because risks in their past have proven terrible. Mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. goes into the concept of something called epigenetics, mm-hmm. which epigenetics, have you heard of much about that? I haven't, no, but I'm interested. Her- hereditary traits that are passed through family lines. Okay. So say your mom, say she grew up with a very strong drive and push because that she had to. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. had to. And that is ingrained in her DNA. Well, you automatically pass your DNA to your kin. Yeah. And so you already have a, a predisposition towards drive mm-hmm. someone argue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now uh, that that's why you can actually track that to the african-american population with hypertension because of slavery yeah they have high blood pressure and they're more prone to certain diseases because uh-huh. of what they've gone through for centuries right yeah and that, that can go th- through other things through white the white population through asian population each population races has different factors based okay. on their genetic traits yeah. So I know that I know that was a whole lot. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with it. I think that, um, 
I've always had an aunt uh, who visited us from Mexico, and her name is Coqui. And so that's awesome. Tia Coqui. That's and, awesome. And uh, we were talking one day, and we're talking about children. And I said, Tia, I feel that a child should be left to fall on their knees, scrape their knees, have nobody watch them. They get back up. They realize nobody's watching them, paying attention that they just busted their knees and then keep it moving. Uh, and I don't know where this comes from, but I feel like that specific experience for a child is going to build neural connections mm-hmm. and messages. And it's going to create like um, almost like a, like I said, like a neural message or a connection to your brain. Hey, you fell, but you're okay. You're bleeding, but you're not dying. Keep going. You, know? you need to read this book. It's called yeah. uh, Nature. Not it. It's called uh, The Last Child in the Woods. Okay. And it talks about that very concept really? about children. Wow, I've never heard it before. I thought I'd be giving up yeah. with it. I'm like, wow. No, no it's a really <laughs> interesting study about wow. that very thing. Okay. About how kids don't have, today, how kids don't have one nature. Um, there's Nature is being taken away from their entire life. Yeah. They're in school all day in a brick and mortar school. Their playgrounds are are void of green space mm-hmm. and they don't have thirdly they don't have the ability to have time by themselves which creates risk analysis and risk management mm. they so, don't get risky and so they don't yes yeah. and this professor actually ties it back to mm-hmm. uh stranger danger that occurred yeah. that, i think it was the that 80- concept of like don't talk to a stranger yes. yeah and because we've really brought our, our kids indoors yeah. and not allow them to make choices for themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's led to a he he lists like crazy <laughs> amounts of things, but it's that very yeah. concept. Yeah, and and I think that that little thought of if you fall and scrape your knees and you're okay when you stand back up and you move on, it's the same thing. Could I leave my full time job with benefits, with you know Ooh. all these other things that come with having a full time career, to say I'm gonna take the risk and if I fall and scrape my knees. I have a backup plan or I have something else in line. So, um, Ooh, so it's kind of like, yes, I think that someone can be taught this, but hmm. I would say most, like maybe 90%, like most 90% of people who actually try to make it will make it because it's innate. It's, it's just within them. It's within their nature, whether it's like you said, epigenetics or, um, because their parents were like that or their dad, mom, you know, whatever story that may come from. But, um, I do believe that it comes from it. It just has to come from within that you can Man, get that's up and good. Do it, you know, that's good. Yeah. My wheels are turning now. <laughs> There's just a lot in my mind right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to have kids. I could say that. Yeah, I'm so yeah. excited. I'm going to be like, scrape your knees on, walk away. <laughs> I'll push them myself, make them scrape their knees, and then I'll just turn the other way. <laughs> oh, what happened? Well, that, that was you a know? big frustration in, in in how we were raising our kids in the apartment. Oh, yeah. In the apartment in Burleson, great. We loved it. It, it was great. Um, but it kind of came to the point where, where our kids were getting a little older. They're four and two now. And the only space that they had to play in was the parking lot. And the mm. only grass that they could be in was wow. like a, a two by 50 foot stretch of grass that grass. Yeah. wasn't much. It was just kind of a, a small section on the side of the parking lot. And this book really changed my life on that. So when we bought this house, you know, we have a bag, big backyard. We have about a half acre and super blessed to have it. Again, crazy story, but um, it has trees that are, are 
hundreds of years old. Yeah. The house itself is hundreds of years old or 130 years old, roughly, <laughs> not hundreds. Wow. Um, 130, that's legit. Yeah. That is yeah. so legit. Yeah. It's, the history behind it is amazing. Yeah. But when I, because I'm a stay-at-home dad now, we, 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 our schedule is this. We wake up, we uh, eat breakfast, and we either watch a magic school bus to be able to... Do, they do, still show magic school dude, bus? on Netflix. <gasps> wow. Netflix. And there's a new magic school bus, which... Uh, isn't as good. Okay. It's a like Netflix. the same characters or like different? Different kind of characters. Movie. Phoebe left. Remember Phoebe? Gosh, honestly, I cannot remember. Phoebe's that but... girl. Mm-hmm. I can't understand her voice. She, uh, at my old school, we never pooped outside the toilet, whatever it was. <laughs> uh-huh. So she's gone. She actually went back to her old school in the new, in the new episodes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, but it, it's just, it's not as good. Okay. Anyways, okay. we watch a magic school bus. Yeah. Um, because literally everything I've learned in science ties back to magic school bus. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will spend the morning outside of it. The weather's not bad. Even if the weather is bad, if it's Let super cold, cold, yeah, if it's super cold, <laughs> I mean, you put a jacket on. But, no, well, yeah, yeah, but even then there's a, there's a good, lot of cool health benefits to being cold. And so if my kids are really cold, I will put a jacket on him. And if they don't want to play outside, okay, I say do breathing technique because that actually helps Gosh. your your body increase your core temperature. Yeah. So the, and so we we finish the morning. We take a nap. Me too. And then when we wake up, we <laughs> go back outside we, because yeah. it's actually us yeah. as a team. <laughs> yeah, we go we we go back outside and play some more. Yeah. And I think that there's an actual t- uh, science behind the the story of play. Yeah. And that yeah. doesn't happen right now because everybody, okay, I don't want say everybody, this book breaks down how much we have scheduled kids play. Time, yeah. Their free time. Yeah. Their free time. And w- when everything's scheduled, they don't have the ability to create yeah. in their mind. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And I, I really wonder how much of that really has a, applied to your life where you're able to think, you're able to imagine what could be. Yeah. You're asking the question. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of things, a lot of times things are just given to us. Yeah. Even as children mm-hmm. and our children, we're kind of just, we're trying to schedule them so much that we're not allowing them the science of play, the science yeah. of free time to develop risk analysis, to develop ideas. I think that's exactly what happened when I checked in with myself about six months ago and I realized I don't get to play because I have nine to 10 hours, five days a week. That I'm not Ooh. able to play. These analogies you know? are amazing. <laughs> yeah. And and then not only that, but you do go home. You, whatever, cook dinner, mm-hmm. go to the gym, get ready for bed and, mm-hmm. you know. But then the weekend comes. And what am I thinking about the weekend? How many, how, what's our caseload? Do I need to make sure Ooh. I have PRN to cover? Do I, you know, I'm still, my mind is running for my full-time job. So really the the 40 to 60 hours a week turn into 70 to 80, Mm. including the weekend. Um, So you're not giving yourself a buffer time. Exactly. There's no playtime. And, and Hmm. you know what, when there, I'll be honest, when there was playtime, it was like, I wanted to go completely left field, whether that meant go out of town and relax or go before COVID, go on a vacation and just be gone and turn my phone off, you know, but we can't do that all the time to escape because once I'm there, I don't want to be creative. Hmm. And if I am, I'm like, I'll think about it later. Later will come, but I'll be at work. Do you think that's cultural? Do you think that yeah. that um, always wanting to be busy with meaningless things mm-hmm. is an American thing? Ooh, yes. 
I think so. I think I've, I've, I have a pretty good like travel belt as mm-hmm. far as like where I've been, different parts of the T- world. Touch on that real quick. Um, farthest south, I guess, would be. Um, <laughs> Excuse me, but my math, uh, not my math, but my geography, <laughs> I can't even say it, but my geography, I guess my- My anthropology. My anthrop- <laughs> for epigenetics. <laughs> so my geography is off all the time. My geography of like left, right, west, ro- I'm like, go right, but I'm pointing left. Um, so the south, the most south I think that I've gone is South Africa, Cape Town, um, which was- uh, we Cape Cod is actually the tip is south of like the freaking country. Mm. So um, continent actually, yeah. Yep. Con- see, yep. I'm questioning. Yep. Africa <laughs> is a continent. You yes, can just talk, and I won't say anything. What is that? <laughs> you know, and so. Um, so South Africa. So yeah, South Africa was the farthest. Um, probably the most east would be China. Ooh, um, that's awesome. And then which also connected that same vacation with Bali. Ooh. But I mean, I've been to Europe, which is cool. Um, it, but... <laughs> I mean, America really just follows in Europe's footsteps yeah. in a lot of cultural things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, being that said, I mean, absolutely, it's I think a good that, perspective. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it just—I like getting taken, ripped out of my regular American world, and going to like a completely different environment and shaking myself up, and mm. yeah, getting culture shock almost always, ninety-nine percent of the time, when I go into a new country, I have culture shock. Even when I go to Mexico or Mexico, yeah. like Mexico, Mexico, okay, I'm like, no problem, huh? <laughs> exactly. I'm like margaritas. They're like, no, girl, we drink mezcal, and I'm like, what? Mezcal. Oh, oh yeah, I love mezcal. I was very heartbroken when I went as an adult to Mexico, and I was like, yeah, I'll have a margarita. You know, they're like mezcal or tequila. I'm like, tequila, dumb in Mexico. I was like with my family, like my very beautiful Mexican mm-hmm. family, and they were like. Honey, we drink mezcal here. You know, not like that, but you know, they they educated me. Educated me. I'm like, you guys, but I'm American, and we eat nachos, even though nachos are not a Mexican thing. Yeah, you actually get real tacos. There's like no cheese on any of the tacos. No, literally cilantro, onions, lemon, carne asada, carne asada. Yeah, that's true, and the meat, Mm -hmm. whatever meat. Um, so definitely about cultural. Oh, yes, cultural stuff. And uh, and so just knowing that we do waste our time on things that are meaningless and um, and and really meaningless to one's perspective. Because yeah, to me... that's very relative. Very meaningless could be... Um, I'm trying to think what I think is meaningless. I'm having a chat. But someone else could think meaning something meaningless is going to the gym. Mm-hmm. I love going to the gym. I love pushing myself. But... I get more meaning from it when I'm with someone because they motivate me, they push me, they give me more drive. Hmm. And so, yeah, I think that it's definitely upon the person's perspective to say, you know, can we be doing something else during this time? Or if we are going to play, what are we playing? You know, Hmm. are we playing, hey, let's read a financial book? Or are Hmm. we playing like, hey, let's get drunk and go to 6th Street in Austin? Go to Dallas and meet random people at a hotel. Exactly. (laughs) And be like, how much money do you make? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, it's. Got, I've uh-huh. asked like one other guest that, yeah. and he's like, "Well, I'm not gonna really tell you that." I was like, "Oh shit, okay." Yeah, <laughs> you're like, Doop. "Yep, yep." So, okay, yeah. uh, um, let's get before we wrap up the episode. Yeah. Um, my goals are to have these different rental properties because I love traveling, mm-hmm. and I want a beach house, and I want a winter home, a winter home, um, and I'm looking at Airbnb in them when I'm not there. Yeah. 
Um, that's literally why I picked up, picked up this other job to do these type of endeavors. Yeah. Um, and to help people, of course, because I can I'll be able to help help people through what I do. However, what I'm looking at <clears throat> is buying a small. There's already I've I've seen different plots of land between twenty five thousand dollars and forty thousand dollars. Just small plots of land, um, in in a general subdivision, and then putting a tiny home on there. Mm-hmm. You can buy a tiny home for ten thousand dollars on yeah. Amazon, actually. What I know. Oh wow. So look into that. Yeah. Uh, granted, some people say not to do tiny homes. Because of A, B, and C, yeah. I'm just, I'm giving general ballparks here. Yeah. You can buy small homes for ten to fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, if you add a container home, that's you, there's actually prefabricated container homes that are beautiful for roughly thirty three thousand dollars. So you're you're looking at some pretty affordable things here, especially for vacation homes where you don't really need a whole lot of square footage. Yeah, because be, you're there for vacation, exactly. so you want to enjoy the sand or yes, yeah. Okay, so this cool. this spot is. I think it was in uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. It was beautiful beaches set further inland where the the uh, tide's not going to get it completely. Granted, I, I might need to bring it up a little bit um, because of the tide. Yeah. And then when I'm not there, Airbnb it out. Is that possible? I think the short answer is yes. But the long answer is, is there a market for it? Location, I think, with any kind of Airbnb is going to be your number one. So when I go to a a property, whether it's a property I'm going to, because again, my goal is passive income, right? Mm -hmm. So I see a property, I'm like, well, what are the options for this property? So what if it doesn't do well on Airbnb because people around there don't know about Gulf Shores, Alabama? I actually don't know about it, but I'm sure it's great. It's like one of the top 10 destinations to go for beaches in the U.S. Very cool. I want to go now. what about Port Aransas? Okay, Port Aransas. I know that. Same thing. Yeah. So very cool. So I get the idea of it, right? So um, I think the question would be, for me, would be, yes, it's possible. But number one, what does the location look like, right? So what are your top key things? Is it walking distance to the beach? Is it, does it have a hot tub and a jacuzzi or an area where you can like have a picnic? And, you know, I'm asking all these questions. Are those pretty key things for you when you look at Airbnb? Because I noticed your Airbnbs have those. Yeah, uh, some of them do and some of them don't. So um, the ones that don't, they have something else to offer. So okay. it's it definitely like I have a little checklist that I go through. But number one is location. Where is your Airbnb? Um, um, and then number two would be amenities. Mm-hmm. So that's where that comes in, right? And your mm-hmm. some of your locations aren't really in the downtown Dallas. They're kind of no. outside Dallas. So the closest, but they're selling great. Absolutely. And and I, so if you go north, you have all the hospitals, right? Meaning north, like if you have middle of downtown, a little bit northeast, you have Baylor, mm-hmm. and then you keep going back up north, and you have press. You know, oh gosh, I'm like uh, Medical City, and then you have <laughs> direction, Texas geography. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Math. Math. <laughs> Gosh, that was too perfect. We did not keep that, guys. We did not. Um, but yeah, and so uh, the, the mo- most north from downtown is about 14 minutes. What? That's one Airbnb. Okay. Um, seven minutes east is the next Airbnb. Um, actually, two of them are north, 14 minutes, and then the next one east is seven minutes. There's my friends is seven eight minutes east mm. of downtown so it's so relatively close yeah. to so again it's like what what is your market yeah sure it'd be great to be close mm. to downtown but that's interesting guess what people want to go to king spa in Carrollton. yeah so, I know well, you know i i talk to guests huh. about that i'm like hey what are you coming to dallas for and when they stay in the one in north dallas 14 minutes from downtown 14 minutes is a pretty dang close so mm-hmm. i'm like hey your 14 minute uber will take you downtown you go 20 minutes 
west and guess what you're at king spa mm. you go you know 30 minutes not even 30 like are, 20 minutes north and you're at the allen uh outlet malls are these uh suburban like areas um not so high-rise apartment type things oh okay okay so Yours. they yeah so they are um homes in okay. residential areas okay. yeah i don't have any sky rises and yeah. things like that but uh, or high rises oh sky i said <laughs> You know, I said sky rise. Hey, you do you, bro. You is that, do you. Is that high rise or sky rise? I think it's high rise. Okay. But I mean, I'm totally cool with changing sky, semantics here. Yeah. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> and I get in trouble sometimes. But yeah, so, um, so location yeah. amenities for okay. sure for Airbnb. And I think after that is, I always ask myself, worst case scenario, it doesn't work. People don't want to come. And in the wintertime, maybe they don't want to go to Port Aransas or, or wherever. Or there's a hurricane. And then what? Um, so my next question would be, how many rooms does it have and how many people can sleep there? So can you turn it into something else last minute, like a sober living house or hmm. um, a Man, specialized cool. long-term stay for, you know, people coming out of the country, you know, hmm. finding a niche. And so uh, you do go through a list of what are the potential um, obviously the goal is passive income. So once all the bills are paid, how much money are you making yeah. and how are you going to make that money? Is it Airbnb long-term stay? Is it, um, sober living houses? Is it renting it to specific groups of people and medical professions or, you know, students? Is there a hmm. university nearby that you could literally just rent per bed? Um, do you ever like take the the profits that you make during peak seasons and use that for profits during low seasons? Like spread it out over the year? I do averages. Um, I don't really like split it up throughout the year. Um, I think I'm at a good place where all the money just comes to one place. And then when I get enough of it, I buy my next property. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and then guess what? The next month I get all those thousands of dollars back in my bank account, even though I just bought a house cash and there's close to zero in my bank account. Bought a house Guess cash. what? <laughs> you know? Golly. So, um, it's really cool. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So tell me your Airbnbs. Um, how do people go to your Airbnbs? Like how would they find your links? Yeah. So I have an Instagram, um, that I actually on my bio, I have a link to my Airbnb. I wish there was a way that you could like type in da, 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 Airbnb, like Nancy mm-hmm. Airbnb, but it not so much. Um, but my Instagram does have a link to my Airbnb fancy Nancy with four E's. So it's fancy, fancy okay. Nance, N-A-N-C, and then E-E-E-E. Okay. So fancy so what Nancy. So I'll what I'll do is I'll, I'll find those links. I think, yeah. I think I found them on your Instagram or your Facebook. Yeah, for And I'll sure. put them on the, I'll put them links inside the description. That way people Very can cool. find them. Yeah. Does that work for you? Yeah, for sure. That'd be awesome. Um, you know, and we've hosted, it's so cool. And besides it, again, going back to helping people, mm-hmm. like when I am hosting soccer teams, football teams, bachelor what? parties, your typical, you know, huh. other parties, yeah. family reunions. You know, I've had a wedding at one of the Airbnbs before. Not me, myself, but someone had a what? wedding. Yeah, they just booked the house with the pool and the the spa. And they were like, hey, we have a 30 people wedding and we want to use the Airbnb. And so I was like, okay. Hmm. And guess what? I charged them a reception fee. <laughs> so oh. they paid the normal fee that they normally would. And then I just tacked on an extra fee for a wedding. I know. Not maybe the nicest, but I had to stop being so nice. I'm like, what? You're bringing 20 people? I'm cool with that. But you better (laughs) give me $500. I mean, honestly, I think there's a good thing to say about that because I think people are getting taken advantage of too much. Mm -hmm. I think the people who really like to to get into business, uh, who are very good people, 
yeah. typically don't make it because they don't want to charge. And they're too good of a people. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's not bad to yeah. want to make money. And so you, need, when you someone, need to charge for your quality. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. I knew that they were getting a good nightly rate. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like throw out a number that was, okay, $2,000 to rent my house. Yeah. It was like 500 bucks. Um, so I had that's, family that's reunions great. and things that's like great. that. So for less than like two, two grand, they were able to have the house for three nights. Okay, quickly. But quickly that paid the mortgage. Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> yeah. Matt, that's really cool because three nights of a 30-night month and three of those nights are paying mortgage. Yeah. Everything else after that is fairly profit. Cash flow. That's insane. That's yeah. amazing. And I will say this. With Dave Ramsey's like mindset, I am debt free except for my mortgages. Mm-hmm. So I do have two mortgages on the properties that I own. Some are cash, but there are two that are actual mortgages. Um, great interest rates. Yeah. Um, and I don't pay them. <laughs> Someone yeah. else does, yeah. literally. <laughs> and they're, they're all, that yeah. idea will always be yeah. needed. Mm-hmm. Um how did the pandemic affect your business? Oh my gosh. So I had maybe 90% cancellations the first oh, couple wow. months. But in return of that is where I actually found out about long-term stays for the medical profession. So everything has a, a point. So wow. actually I ended up making almost double what I was making from just regular Airbnb, which I love, but um, started making more when I when I started hitting nurses started. So actually, I looked into how to rent my Airbnb. I think during a pandemic, or I googled something and I came across different links about long term leases that are technically short term because a long term lease is usually. Um, like when you rent a house for a year mm-hmm. or you get an apartment for 12 months, that's a long-term lease. So a long-term lease, but it's actually short-term, is someone who wants to stay more than 30 days. Okay. And so it was scary because not only did I have 80% of cancellations, but also I needed to close my calendar to only allow 30-day or more bookings. Mm-hmm. So for like... That's a risk. I was so scared because I'm like, you're telling me that if nothing comes through in this long-term but short-term lease type of deal that I might not have somebody for X amount of time. So I think I waited like four days and I was so nervous because my calendar was closed for only anybody on Airbnb that day could only see my property if they booked, let's say, March 31st till May 29th. Hmm. Then my Airbnb would pop up. If they booked for the weekend or three week, even three weeks, it wouldn't pop mine up. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm taking my chances. Once I got my first booking and then the second and then the third, um, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm making more money like this. There's not as much turnover, cleaning mm-hmm. fees. Um, as far as like linens and towels and people take weird stuff. Yeah. And so <laughs> I've had to replace a lot of random things. Um, but, and people wow. leave really weird stuff behind too. Like very weird stuff. So like, anyway. What's the, what's the weirdest thing they left behind? Ooh, can I tell you about the first Airbnb? Yes. They actually, so they had definitely a party. Um, they left uh, an elbow hole because you could, I measured it. I was like, that's my elbow. They definitely like were laughing so hard that they swung their elbow into the wall and literally there was a hole of my, the size of my elbow. Um, and I walked through, did the final walkthrough of the house after someone leaves. They left a pair of underwear, like boxers, hanging like in on the, where the towels usually go. And there was so much toilet paper 
like like in the trash can it was just like what happened did you like accidentally shit yourself and then you just like washed your underwear and just hung it to dry i mean it was <laughs> i'm sorry so that sorry was, that was hilarious it was bad i was like oh my gosh i remember being my first Airbnb, <laughs> I took a picture of it and I sent it to my family. I'm like, oh my God, how gross is this? Look at all this toilet paper. They must have shit their pants and then oh had gosh. to like hang their underwear. Um, so that was like the weirdest probably. Huh. Um, I can think of weirder, but, but you yeah, know, that's just me. I kind of get, yeah. get weird. Toilet paper and underwear. So, and so with Airbnb, yeah. what's the cut they take on your initial profit? 3%. That's it. And you, they're the middleman. I middle was expecting man. way more. No. So it's 3% and you set your price. You, oh, I thought the Airbnb set the price. You can. They have this cool option called smart price. Yeah. And so basically they take the average of what your type of Airbnb would list for. Based on the but market. But guess what? Exactly. But what they do is they let you still set a maximum and a minimum. So if you're like, okay, uh, fine, you can do it Airbnb, but I will take less than one ninety nine a month. I mean, a night. Then they won't go below one ninety nine. But if it jumps up to two fifty because it's Christmas, guess what? You'll hit it at two fifty. Oh, um, wow. That's a kind of a better way to manage it. Okay. And, and that's the thing: the three percent is that I'm paying for smart price. I'm paying for the logo. I'm paying for the user friendly. I thought about doing my own website and putting all my properties on there, and I was like, "Why would I do that when I only have to pay three percent?" Wow. For them to I was be the expecting way more. But guess what? That 3% also includes, in my mind, I'm thinking um, the host guarantee program where they, when there is a claim filed against a guest, they, with proper evidence and explanation, they will pay you whatever damages or things missing. So the hole in the wall, they paid? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Guess who patched it up? You. Yeah. Because you know your stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And guess who paid myself? You. <laughs> Me. <laughs> because you don't have to pay your contractor. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, um, yeah. And so, I, I mean, it's just one of those things that um, it's it's totally worth it for me. I've tried VRBO. I've tried Booking.com. But they're just not user-friendly for even on my end as a host. Really? It's not user-friendly. So, um, for the most part, I mean, for all of the part, I've stuck with Airbnb and then actually some people come back to me. And so they'll hmm. tech because I like to reach out to them. Because you're a guests. super host, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so. What does it take to, to become a super host? There's a few requirements. You can't have like uh, more than I think one cancellation every 200 bookings. I don't know the numbers exactly, but. On your end? Yeah. Like okay. I can't cancel on anyone. Um, Why would you? Um, different reasons. Like, let's say that someone hits me up and then five minutes later, someone is like, Hey, can I have it for 10 people? Because I charge more when you have more people in the house. Mm. And let's say you booked it for you and your wife, but then someone hits me up an hour later and they want it for 10 people. And I'm getting like a thousand dollars more. You would want to be like, actually, Caleb, I'm sorry, but I have to cancel because I have a better option, which is great. But it sucks for you and it doesn't it, – it's, again, the community of I'm sharing my home with you and I told you you could have it at this price for these dates. And that's it, – it just – I think the Airbnb community does a good job of keeping it as a community, as, hey, you're renting my house. This is still my property, whether it's an investment property or not. You're, it's not a hotel and that's one of my first rules. Thanks for staying at my home. This is mm. not a hotel, and I appreciate you knowing that. Kind of something I, like I read that, your description, you know? and yeah. <laughs> it's it's very good. It's very to the point, but it's not being a jerk about it. Yeah, yeah. And so I do. There's a very interesting concept of business where so y- the risk you took 
you know, taking a lower price yeah. for a daily rate, mm-hmm. pretty much nixing that and going for a monthly price, which there, that's a very lower market, but getting more money out of it. Yeah. That's uh, less work on your part. Absolutely. Honestly, and I think yeah. a lot of people think they need to put a lot of effort into this daily rate, so to speak, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when their rate of return isn't going to be near as much. Yeah. So what you did, you, you took a big risk, but now because you took that risk of not having to do as much work for this daily rates, you have a monthly rate now yeah. and are doing less work and getting paid way more. Yeah. The turnover, the headache, I mean, literally less work physically. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I've had to go fix a leaking like sink or something or the stove something happened so i just like push some buttons and it works now you know for the oven and Mm. so there's little things but even if i couldn't fix it myself i have a plumber i have a contractor i have a handyman so i either send them or i do it myself Mm. yeah do you have a retirement plan oh good question um i do have things like 401ks i'm Mm. learning about uh buying like calls options Mm -hmm. and selling call options Mm -hmm. and puts and things like that so that's like the next cool thing that i'm really getting into i'm not i'm not a financial advisor but the firm i'm working for that i just began to work for legit really i'll have to get those details so yeah yeah, you you should check out because if you're looking at you're smart you're smart with with your finances if you're looking at towards you know 40s or 50s yeah you could really have a very strong passive income yeah. 10 times more than what you have right now based on the concept of compound interest. Yeah. Listen to the podcast yes. with Chris Alberson. He's okay, the, cool. he, he's the uh, financial advisor I'm talking about. I trust this guy. He's really yeah. cool. Um, that's, that's actually what I think I'm at the point now where I have the time. Mm-hmm. I have the mental space. This is my playtime. Yep. And during my playtime, I'm reading, rereading certain books, um, reading new books about taxes and strategies and um, financial decisions. Um, and so, yeah, that's need, definitely on my compound interest is on the list. Of so because every year really you waste, right I, I started calculating what yeah. my, on my base income, I think at the time it was like $32,000 as an EMT, right? Yeah. Um, I was starting to calculate how much money I was wasting by not investing at the age of 18 mm-hmm. versus the age of like 23. And I was throwing away roughly $300,000 a year at a retirement age by not w- investing at an earlier age. Yeah, for sure. Cause you know, it, yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that later. Um, <laughs> so I do have a few and yeah. I have like simple IRA. I have yeah. a, some stocks that I don't touch and they're just mm-hmm. literally growing. Um, and, and then the it's free money, the other stuff, mutual yeah. funds, stocks, free money. Yeah. Yeah. With very little risk depending on where you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So very final cool. thoughts yeah. on first, I, I, we didn't really touch at all about your speech therapy science. That's okay. <laughs> so, so final thoughts. Yeah. Cause I, I, I it's kind of funny. I, I thought that's what the majority of our talking would be about, but I'm okay with it. Like the conversation, your passions are different than what I thought, which are great. Yeah. And I love that. So final thoughts and ideas on speech therapy. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to tell me final thoughts and speech therapy that listeners want to hear about Airbnbs and real estate. So speech therapy, go. Yeah, speech therapy. Um, Maybe it could be something very interesting, by the way, or ooh. something that you learned about, whatever it is. Yeah. So I think with speech therapy, it's a spectrum. And so when I say people, like, I help people swallow. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, dysphagia. And then so it's like, what does dysphagia have to do with speech? So usually I introduce myself. Hi, I'm Nancy, the speech therapist. And they're like, my speech is fine. They're like offended. And I say, that is great. You're actually a really good speaker. I also 
you know, and then I explained. You had a stroke. Um, so let's yeah, work on that. <laughs> exactly. So um, speech pathology itself is a spectrum. And so the way that I like to think about it is I explained it, you know, being that your brain is so complex and it's the remote for your whole body. Um, I, I get a chance to be a part of that recovery when there is, you know, a stroke, traumatic brain injury, um, dementias, Parkinson's, you know, uh, gosh, just, there's just a list of things. So you can see speech therapists in the NICU because a, a premature baby mm. doesn't know or can't suck a bottle because they're so teeny tiny and their swallow muscles are like, I don't even know minute. I've never seen a preemie like that, but you know, you know so, huh. it's, so, so it can, what do you do with that though? So, uh, I'm not super informed about it, mm. but I, I do have a friend actually who has a a speech pathology friend who has another speech pathology friend in Houston who works in the NICU with babies. And basically they just have to train the babies on how to suck on a specific hmm. type of bottle to learn how to swallow. That's Their muscles are literally takes about 27 muscles for one second of a swallow. That's a fun fact. <laughs> so, um, so it can go, like I said, from premature babies wow. to, I think my oldest patient had to been like 98 years old, wow. was like as sharp as a whisper. Tech. Tech. Okay. Sharp as a tack. Sharp as a whisper. <laughs> <laughs> so he was so smart. Um, but unfortunately he had had like a fall and then that fall turned into him having to have a craniotomy, oh, which wow. is basically where they drain the blood out. Mm -hmm. But not only that, but they had to like remove a part of his skull. Yeah. And he could tell you every single thing, just like if he had never had this surgery two weeks ago. It was amazing. Oh my gosh! So, um, so yeah, absolutely. It's very cool. The the, the industry, the the career itself. If you don't like kids, stay away from them. Go to the adult mm. population. If you rather work with adolescents, you know, kids who are wanting to kids with special needs or autism or Down syndrome, and they want to get a job. Do so you just kind of like unlock that part of their brain to help them talk and? interact yeah I, that's a good way to put it you mean like with the adolescents or with or kids? whether it be people on the spectrum kids on the mm -hmm. spectrum mm -hmm. or kids in general um it definitely depends on the technique so there are different like evidence-based practice therapy um modes for let's say kids with autism who also have down syndrome or kids mm -hmm. with down syndrome who also have some other genetic disease so it really depends on the diagnosis but once you know the diagnosis and you know where these deficits are coming from then you can say is it just a matter of unlocking the brain or mm -hmm. With a stroke patient, is it a matter of neuroplasticity? Like relearning. I love neuroplasticity. Oh yeah, my dude, it's the coolest thing. And I literally see it day to day with my patients that I work with at the hospital. Um, you know, you're literally seeing their brain make the connections and rewire and refire. And it's the, I love explaining it to families because so many people just don't understand what a stroke is, where mm. it happens. That's my first question. Where did a stroke happen? I'll get, you know, my leg or my hair, and I'm like, yep, that's where where you feel it but it <laughs> happened in your brain and i draw a huh. picture and i explain so yeah speech pathology is wow. a spectrum that's and it's the coolest thing like i love it and then uh your second question was yeah. about real estate airbnb your, your kind of final thoughts on real yeah. estate airbnb um anything you want to tell people yeah this is your time um, I think with real estate, you have to really take a look at your personal finances. Where are you at financially? Are you spending lucratively where you shouldn't? Um, or do you find yourself having 
extra amount of cash because you're such a good penny pincher or you save so much money or maybe you are a doctor and you're making a good w-2 but you're finding a you need to find a way to how to invest this uh, money so i think just first asking like what your personal finances is understanding that before doing the next step i'll be honest it can for like a my airbnbs are at least three bedrooms up to five maybe six depending on um the house but um and the layout but if you have that kind of house, three bedrooms, minimum five grand, and that's buying things used, meaning like used, uh, five grand for what to start your Airbnb. Okay. Yeah. So not only do you need the money to get the house for the Airbnb mm-hmm. or, you know, be able to find a property that you can lease for the Airbnb, but, um, you need to furnish it. And then guess what? Something breaks. You need to buy it. Airbnb mm-hmm. will pay you back as long as it's a reasonable claim, mm-hmm. but you still need to, you need to put your credit card down or whatever uh, debit card down to be able to pay for those damages mm-hmm. so that guess what? Your guest comes in five hours. So you have five hours to get your house cleaned, mm-hmm. things replaced before the next people come. Oh, wow. And that's assuming you don't have any issues with leaks or water yeah. heaters breaking that you need to replace just because of natural wear and tear. Um, so definitely, cur- I'm looking at tiny houses. Are you looking at, have you ever thought about that at all? I like watching the shows cause they look so <laughs> cute and i'm like i'm only five one i could totally live in a tiny house and i would be so happy but um i don't know much about it the one thing i think it was might have been dave ramsey he said uh just something a little negative like basically that there's not a market for it it's kind of like buying a mobile home type of thing and like what that community is it's not very long term but again it's niche but it adds absolutely a niche i love when i go on airbnb and i want to travel i'm like ew i wonder if there's a tiny house mm-hmm. and usually they're not available for my dates i don't know maybe because, i just need to try because again. it's a niche and exactly. every yeah. tiny house that i've looked at has uh, been booked yeah it, my same experience yeah so it's like definitely something i feel like there's a list of things that i want to get into even when we talked a little bit about the residential cares or like the memory care assisted uh, living hey, I'm, I'm here for as know. long as you want to stay um, <laughs> so it's really up to you i'm just trying to try i'm trying, yeah. uh, honestly i'm trying to be uh uh cognizant of yeah. your time because i know you also have a long drive yeah, home we have a long drive home but no i think i think i definitely said you, you had such great questions and i think it just kind of flowed very well but um yeah i think my ideas for what i want to do could be endless and i think tiny houses like you said the rate of return because you put so little quote unquote into it that if you have the right location and you have the right amenities and you have the right environment um that would definitely be such a great rate of return for mm-hmm. your investment. And you guys will go there when you want to because it's your vacation well, home. Be but then it'll be, you know, rented out when it's not. So the money we spent yeah. on on vacations t- to beaches yeah. already would have paid off an entire Airbnb already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's think what I'm looking that. at. So one of the other things I think that I wanted to definitely say about um, that I – probably like the last year, year and a half that I realized about real estate and fun and personal and things like that is that I want my income, meaning passive or even my W-2, um, I want my income to pay for my, actually, no, let me say it like this. I let's specifically say passive income. I do want my passive income to pay for my pleasures. And what that means is that if I'm going to go on vacation, I want to make sure that whatever Airbnb is coming in, paying the bills, all that, anything after that, I'm going to use that as my vacation money. Mm. I don't want to use anything else. I don't want to have to work 
those hours to have to do that. And I think looking at the five-year plan, 10-year plan, that's exactly what I want. I want to be able to say, hey, my investments are paying for my vacations, my pleasures, my Mm. fun, my this, my that, my family, you know, Um, I took my family on a vacation last year, my dad and stepmom and my brother um, on a cruise and Mm. I paid for it. And I was like, you guys, like, I want to take you and I invited a lot of my family and they're the only ones that were able to actually come. But it's just doing things like that where my fun was paid for. I was literally still booking and making money wow. while I was on vacation. So you get emails. Uh, well, they don't That's do amazing. it anymore, but you used to get text. I think it was text messages or emails when uh, a guest fund guest funds were deposited into your account. They'd be like, hey, Caleb, on their second night, Caleb's um, Airbnb was $500. And so they tell you that it's deposited. And I remember the first time I got that, I was in New York. And just on vacation. And I was just ecstatic. I was like, yes, making money. I'm like, hey, my New York trip was paid for. So even though at that time, three, four years ago, I wasn't even thinking, hey, I want my Airbnbs to pay for my fun. Mm It happened. And and I think up until recently, I've really started to say, like, if I want a Range Rover, I'm not going to buy it with my W-2. Like, I want to buy it because I'm going to put my invest. Like, let's say I'm going to pay cash for a house that's going to rent. That rent will pay for my Rover, you know? Mm. So, so when, when you when did you first start to think about Airbnbs? Um, I guess it had to have been maybe house number seven. It was a huge house, like on this little hill. It was so cute. And I was like, gosh, this house is not, if and it was, a, it was like pretty much gutted, meaning that we needed to take everything out and, and update it um, entirely. And when I saw the potential of people could have parties here, people could have family gatherings, I should put this on Airbnb. And, so, you, uh, so you got a real estate first and then went to Airbnb? Uh, yeah. So I started with the duplex. That's right. So how many years ago was that? 2016. So four years ago. Almost five years now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Two. Yeah. So four and a half years. So it's really taken roughly five years, Mm -hmm. roughly, for your first kind of big purchase in uh, real estate to Uh get to where you're now doing this pretty much full time, whether you work 15 hours a week or... I mean, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think even after I bought the first one, it immediately started giving me income, but it wasn't what I was looking for, yeah. which is where I want another one. And so then yeah. a $40,000 burned down house came by and I was so, like, so yes. So step one is like you, know? you pay for your mortgage. The, yeah, yeah. That one, that one uh, purchase pays for your mortgage. Yeah. And then that second one pays for all your other expenses. And then the third one pays for your lifestyle yeah and the fourth yeah. one pays for whatever the hell you want mm-hmm. yeah so now how many total do you have um you have three airbnbs but how many total properties so three airbnbs and um currently because some have gotten sold along the way i currently have three doors meaning the duplex is two so those are considered two because they give you two incomes Mm -hmm. so two doors there and then i have one property in east dallas but i've had up to nine and so over the last five years or i guess what four years since no how long have i been in dallas six years so the last 
since I bought the duplex, I guess four and a half years, it went from nine to like selling to uh, owner financing one uh, where I was the bank mm -hmm. and people were paying me like I was the bank. Um, so then that one got sold um, to now just having three. Golly. Yeah, but, but what's awesome no, actually, is... I'm sorry, four. <laughs> I forgot what, about the other one. But what's awesome is like, say you're done. You're like, ah, in one year, you're like, okay, I think I'm done. Yeah. You sell all four houses. Yeah. And you're, yeah. You're up big time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the one thing that I recently also had to just confirm with myself is yes I want passive income but I also need house I want to buy houses that have equity already in them mm. so when I buy a house Ooh, I'm good. buying it and I'm yep. like well how much is it is that what is the ARV after all said is done done like what okay and then how much can it actually like sell for 20 grand in between me eh, I'm okay with that yeah so I think 20 15 the lowest that I would like to see a margin. Anything above that, obviously, is like yes, take it home. Mm -hmm. But I would say fifteen thousand AR after you know you know what the after you fix it up versus what it can actually mm -hmm. sell for. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that really helps me because I I get discouraged sometimes because I'm very like okay I'm, I have an idea and I just get it done. Yeah. And when I don't have the resources to get it done, I get frustrated. Yeah. And so I continually push and I continually drive for my goals. Yeah. But it, again, it helps me realize, okay, I, you know, if I'm just now starting to think about, or not even thinking about, I've been thinking about air, real estate and Airbnb for, you know, a couple of years now. Yeah. But I haven't been able to make that first purchase yet. Yeah. So it really helps me. Okay. Once I make that first purchase and have that supplemental income, you know, five years from now, I, I, that's a, not saying yours is the exact yeah. <laughs> model to follow. No, sure. But that is, I have found from the people that I have talked to, five years is actually a pretty good average yeah. for being able to be um, to that point you, that you're in right now. Yeah. That's super and encouraging. Honestly, Caleb, you don't have to buy a house to make it an Airbnb. You can, um, so my business partner recently, what he did is he reached out to probably like 50 to 100 um, landlords on. Uh, he's a realtor mm -hmm. by background. Congratulations, mm -hmm. yeah. you're a realtor as well. Yeah, thank you. And he reached out to all the houses that fit his criteria, those landlords who were leasing. And he just called them or wrote them an email and said, I want to use your house as Airbnb. Would you allow me? He got 99% point nine no. And then he got one who said yes. So he's actually, and he has now like five properties, I think, um, total. And, um, with that, with that said, he huh. is covering the rent for the Airbnb, which kind of sucks. It's like, okay, that money's going to no one, but he, the, the income that comes after the, like, uh, once the rent is paid, he's renting it for like 3,600 bucks a month. And the rent is only 1,800 and okay. he's renting this house and he just has, I think it's like a one year lease I, on it. I, you know? Okay. So he, so he's renting houses from, from his own income technically mm -hmm. and then reselling it as an Airbnb. Uh, yeah. So kind of, so he's renting the house or whatever. and in the lease, um, in the specific contract that he has with the owner of that house is that he's allowed to sublet via short-term lease. Right. There's an addendum you can yeah, write that specifically sublet. says that you allow to sublet. Um, so whether it's a room, whether he were to live in it, but he was very honest brilliant. with his um, message and he didn't want to be like, hey, I'm, you know, I may or may not have random people in your house, <laughs> but the guy actually who he is renting from is like an older guy. So he's doesn't know too much about Airbnb or 
people call it all kinds of things, you know, B&B, the, what is that? B&B. Bed, bed, and, bed and breakfast place and the internet. <laughs> and, um, and so sure enough, the guy didn't know about it, but it was really cool because once he explained it to him, he talked to his, I think it was like son-in-law or son. Um, so his son-in-law who's younger did help him read the contract and, you know, the lease and wow. they were all happy. And, and that there takes was, away a lot of the pressure from actually owning. Exactly. Cause wow. if, guess what, if it doesn't work, I mean, and obviously you do want to, I mean, not, you just don't jump in. He has enough yeah. cash flow yeah. in other properties that if worse comes to worse and it doesn't rent, he's going to have to eat the cost. Yeah. And that's also yeah. very key in any yeah. type of endeavor you do is, is not putting your family's ri- yeah. livelihood at risk. Exactly. So you, you know? have, you know, six months of emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you just have that as a backup for any of your properties. Um, you know, if something were to happen tomorrow, like, yes, I have enough to cover all my mortgages plus whatever expenses. Um, if I had no business. So yeah. you do get to that point, but uh, it's, it's doable, you know, even apartments, you can reach yeah. out to yeah. in Dallas. They have a lot of uh, like 20 unit apartments where they're like in the East Dallas area or lower Greenville, really cute one bedroom, one bath or two bedroom, two bath apartments. And what they do is they allow you to, <laughs> thanks mom. She gave me water <laughs> and they allow you to uh, rent those mm-hmm. apartments yeah. via sublet, sublet. Mm-hmm. but it's usually a smaller company and you know like a mom and pop apartment complex and they're like sure like we don't mind if you have people come over and stay and um so some people do that um on airbnb and they literally sublet apartments they don't own them yeah. Avi, but, yeah you know they're doing all the so, work for it so there's a way you don't have to own it and um i think if 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 you're win- willing to learn more about it definitely i'd be happy to show you, you know, where to look or at least guide you. I'm pretty familiar with the Dallas real estate market, um, in general, probably just DFW in general. I did have a property out in Fort Worth, which I'm not too familiar with, except for that one property in that Mm. area. But I know you're from the Fort Mm -hmm. Worth area. Um, where's it at? Um, it's off of North Riverside. So maybe seven minutes east of downtown. Yeah. Yeah. And more, it's very residential. It's like a two bedroom, one bath. It was, um, and then got rid of it. So that's, yeah. that's great. Well, Nancy, uh, <laughs> you have been so great. You're so For smart. Sure. Your mindset. I've learned already so much from awesome. super encouraging. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really hope that other people hear this and are encouraged to pursue their dreams just like you did. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and you can totally do it. I'm here to help (laughs) answer questions. Like you've got this, you've got it in you. Thank you very much, Nancy. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Bye.